Hey there, welcome to the Extra News Podcast here at the Seattle Times. Ryan Divish, Mariners beat writer. I'm coming to you live from the scenic courtyard by Marriott in Chicago on Sunday night. I flew out of Cleveland to get to Chicago, got to get back. Never easy getting into Cleveland, just not. Um, But I can say that thanks to American Airlines and some travel issues, I was able to drive from Detroit to Cleveland in two hours at five in the morning. Uh, I got to go through um, Toledo, Ohio in the dark. That was interesting. So I can say I've been through Toledo, Ohio. So um, yeah, if you ever have to go from Detroit to Cleveland or Cleveland to Detroit, don't fly because it's hard to get a direct there for some reason. You have to go to Chicago and all this stuff. So just drive two hours, pretty easy. I'm from Montana, got to drive two hours to get to anywhere. So, or, you know, two hours if you want to go to a Husky football game from Tacoma or just work on eight o'clock on a Friday. Um, This week's episode, uh, obviously we'll go through the week that was, the trip that was, the road trip from hell. Um, Larry Stone and I discussed the injuries to Felix Hernandez, Mitch Hanniger. We graded the road trip, what went right, what went wrong. And then we also kind of started to look at uh, the rotation, the issues with the starting rotation, with the absence of Felix. And then, of course, we got into first base and catcher, two of the kind of the glaring holes in the lineup right now. We discussed Dan Vogelbach, who we would start on Tuesday when the Mariners opened the homestand. Uh, We got to the catching situation, how long you give Mike Zanino to turn it around before you make a move and maybe send him to Tacoma. So we did all those things. And then... um, also discussed Fernando Rodney experience in our ex-Mariner alert segment that we're going to do from now on. So uh, sit back, listen to Larry and I make fun of each other uh, about our math skills and other stuff, and enjoy the show. Thanks. All right, we got Larry Stone. On the phone, he's sitting in Bellevue. Is it raining there? Uh, it's been raining off and on today. I'm stunned. It's rained in, in the area. I can't believe it. <laughs> there is supposed to be a 70-degree day coming this week, though, so you're coming home just in time. Oh, I, I don't want that. I want, to, I want to be miserable and suffer. I'm heading out of town, of course. Yes. I'm going to my daughter's graduation in Boston. So uh, you, you, you just that's a guarantee that the great weather is coming when I... When I get out, so uh, that—that's my gift to you. I'm not gonna lie that in the summertime when it gets really warm, and since I don't have air conditioning, I don't mind going on the road because I know the hotels I stay in do, and I don't like sleeping at night when I'm warm. So I never get upset <laughs> about that. You know, you can get probably get a fan at uh, at Target for twenty bucks, so that would keep you warm, and then you wouldn't have that problem. Uh, cool. That they don't help. Okay. I I like to okay. be, you know. I like to have my air circulated uh, unnaturally. All right, enough about this. Well, uh, let's get to it. Um, after your math issues last week, the Mariners went four and six on the road trip. Did you predict that? Uh, not only did I predict that, but I, I predicted it exactly. I said they were going to win two out of three in Detroit and lose two out of three in Cleveland, and that's exactly what happened. So, so uh, by your well, math, everyone was laughing. Everyone was laughing at my math. I was nailing the uh, the baseball. Yeah, you got the predictions right. You still got the math wrong. You had them like 
three and nine or something. I have no idea. It was, I just got I just got a little confused. I'm not that bad at math. I could I could actually add up uh, small numbers, but uh, for some reason I just got thrown off. Uh huh. Sure. Sure. You go. <laughs> and the best, the worst part was your with you. I could just hear you giggling and letting me and not helping me out at all. Just letting me dig my own hole and climb in and taking much glee from that. That's what hurts. Oh yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna make you just look bad. I mean, that makes me look good. It's like it's like That's not all right. no, yeah. It's like why I'm willing to go. Like if we go out to a bar with with Condota and Jinx and stuff, I'm always willing to go because I look better by being associated with those guys. So. That's true. Very true. So, uh, what were your thoughts of the road trip? Well, it was it, it was not a great road trip. You know, you had the injury that that. Uh, you know, Black, uh, what was it, Black Tuesday or whatever it was. Yeah. When, uh, Felix went down, Hanniger went down. That was, you know, they're two terrible injuries. They're going to be out a month, it looks like. You know, the guy that you had penciled in as your number one pitcher and a guy who had been your best player overall suddenly out of the lineup. But you did have, you know, Gamble. Gamble had some nice moments. Moder continued to have some nice moments. Paxton pitched well. Cruz is on fire. But... Uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure we're going to talk about this, but there, there's just too many black holes in this lineup uh, down at the bottom. You, you, you know, guys that just are not carrying their weight, and uh, I think they're going to have to do something about that. First base and catcher, I'm referring to, and uh, you know, they just. I still think this team is a good team, and I still think they have a solid shot at the playoffs, but they just have not find, found their stride yet, and. Uh, you know, the, the, in addition to the problems that I mentioned, the, the back end of the rotation is going to be an issue. Uh, I don't know what to put if he can swing a trade at this point in the year. Do you do you go to a guy like Posey or or Andrew Moore? Because uh, it's just there's not that much depth in AAA. I guess Bergman may be the next next guy. I don't know, but uh, there, there's there's some troubling issues, but there's also some good signs. Yeah, I, I mean. We talked about it on on Sunday, last Sunday. But the 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 big part, what makes this road trip look bad, is the the first part of it, the Oakland part. You lose three or right. four to the A's, and you lose a game with James Paxton pitching against the A's. That's what makes you look bad. I mean that that was the bad part because if you even if you split with Oakland, then you split this road trip. You know, then you go five and five. You have the injuries, whatever. You probably, you know, beating Cleveland is difficult in Cleveland, especially when you have to face, you know, Carrasco and Santana, and you beat Carrasco. But yeah, I just it it wasn't great in a lot of senses. I mean, I think Nelson Cruz hitting was good, but I mean, really, it just continued to expose some of the flaws that they have on the roster. And um, you know, we'll get to that as you mentioned. Thoughts on the injuries when you first when you saw that kind of stuff go down? What were you thinking? Well, the Hanniger one was really, I think that that really hurt because the, the kid was going so well, and it looked like he was going to be a breakout star, and in, in not just on the Mariners, but in, I think he was starting to get league wide attention and notice. Uh, he was, he was, you know, there was a point there when he had the highest WAR in the major leagues. He was ahead of. Uh, Trout at the point that he that he was injured. I think he was at a two two war this early in the season, which is incredible. Uh, 
And it's a worrisome injury, too. You know, you say three to four weeks, but we've all seen uh, obliques that have that have lingered longer than that because it's, it's a vital area for your swing. So uh, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if it's more like six weeks. You want to err on the side of caution with that. And, and Felix, you know, it's just more more piling on of the troubles for Felix on top of what happened last year. He had been really hit around most of the time this year. He had one really good start, but he'd given up more hits than anyone in the league. He just didn't look like, still didn't look like the fields that we have come to know and maybe we'll never see again. You know, we had all that optimism in the offseason, but uh, it really wasn't playing out into the season. So we'll just have to see if, uh, you know, a month does the trick for him or, you know, I, I guess he's even more optimistic that he might be back sooner. But, um, you know, he's a, he's a major cause for concern for this team because you pencil in, you, 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 when you think about the Mariners, you think of Felix being a really good pitcher, and if he's not, that changes the whole equation. Yeah, um, yeah. with the, with the Hanniger thing, I, you're right. I, I've never seen an oblique strain that wasn't at least four weeks. And almost all of them are about six because you're talking about, you know, they're healthy after four, but then it takes a, you know, a five or six days of games and, you know, all this other extra work and and, I mean, you know, now he's got to go back and get his timing back. You never know. He's never dealt with an oblique injury before, so you don't know how that's going to affect him. You know, there's a lot of torque on his swing, so, you know, this is an issue. It was a it was a blow to that team. I mean, especially because then. When you get guys like Cruz starting to hit, and then even Seager a little bit, then you think, okay, now they're going to go. You get Segura back in the lineup, and the day Segura comes back, he's out. Um, Felix is is interesting to me um, in the sense that you know he doesn't get arm injuries. That's the thing. You know, the last time he had an arm injury where he was on the disabled list was 2007, with flexor strain in his elbow or in his forearm. And then in 2005, he also dealt with bursitis. But it is an issue. I mean, look, he hasn't been great this year. Uh, you know, people have complained about um, you know the hits given up, and he has. I mean, I think that's part of his plan to pitch to contact, and it hasn't been crisp at times. Um, but I think also, but but you look at it this way, even when he's bad, he still usually gives you five. Now, he, he left after two innings, but that was because the injury didn't feel right. But even like the when he had, I think it was against, he had the one start where he's just giving up hit after hit after hit. He still got you through six. You look at today, his replacement is giving up hit after hit and didn't get any help from his defense, but he only gets through two and a third or two and two-thirds, and they have to pull him. And I think that's the one thing is that with Felix, you know he's going to you know, get you your five or six innings on most nights, and you're, you're out there. I mean, now you look at your rotation. You have James Paxton, who's your basically your one. He's pitched like a one. You have Sashi Wakuma as your two. And then after that, it gets pretty sparse. I mean, and, you know, Miranda was decent the last time out, but, you know, you don't really know what you're going to get with him. Gallardo, I mean... You know, for eight, for six innings or for five innings, he was really good. But for one inning, he walked the world, and you can't do that. And then you have DeYoung, or if they go with Dylan Overton or Chris Heston or whatever. I mean, you know, even whatever Felix was, and he wasn't his old self, it's still better, and there's still a better rotation with him in it. Yeah, no question about it. He's, 
that that is to his credit. He is a workhorse even even when he's struggling. He finds a way to get through and get you the five or six or seven innings. Uh, I mean, depth was going to be a problem with this rotation, and now you've lost Smiley and you've lost Felix. You're probably in the off season. The guys you had penciled in as one and two or one and three, or you know, uh, and now you're dipping into the 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 minor league sort of uh, journeyman type guys that you just can't rely on uh, to, 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 to be that good. That's why, it, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about that rotation depth with Smiley out for so long and Felix, you just don't know. I don't, uh, they, they need somebody to emerge from that, from that group, whether it's a Heston, like you said, or they dip down into double A or, or DePoto goes out and finds somebody on the market or something. Um, you know, cause that, that's, more than anything could be their undoing, I think, is the lack of rotation depth at this point. Yeah, and it'll be hard to go out. I mean, if you, anybody you would get outside of the organization, I mean, it's probably just another guy, unless you're giving up yeah. a lot. But, I mean, it's this time, it's early in the year, too. I mean, not many teams are in sell mode, although a few of them might be about another week or so, and might be the Mariners, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, yeah. yeah, you don't, you don't get, you don't, no one wants to give up the season this early. Well, I mean, they couldn't get a pitcher that they really, I mean, other than Smiley, I mean, they didn't have much of a market for a pitcher in the offseason because they didn't have anybody that anybody really wanted. So it's hard to make a trade when you don't have prospects that people want as well. Exactly, exactly. So you're just going to have to bite the bullet and just maybe mix and match and, uh, and like I said, just hope somebody emerges and, and then you hope that uh, Gallardo, <laughs> Gallardo and, uh, you know, the other guys, just uh, uh, Miranda, um, can stay a little bit more consistent, and and, and you could weather this storm uh, until until you get at least Felix back. I, who knows about Smiley? Uh, when he's going to come back and how he's going to be? You just don't know now. Uh, you know, I, I would, no, I would, I would see that maybe they, um, you know, move Posey and more at least up to to double or to triple a at least get him a starter to up there maybe if they're considering that because you know you get to triple a you have older hitters that have advanced approaches at the plate i mean maybe that's what you do to kind of ease them in if you think that maybe this is something you're going to have to do going forward don't you move them up a level or move them up one more level just to see how they react to uh, more mature hitters you know you got a bunch of quad a guys down at triple a guys that have big league experience have big league approaches they just don't have big league talent so I, I think that yeah. would be beneficial. I would I would uh, endorse that uh, wholeheartedly. You know I would rather almost rather take a chance on a guy with who has a, a more upside potential, even if they're raw like those two are, than to throw out the you know the the kind of the retread guys or the four uh, A type guys like Overton. You know, more maybe it's too soon with more. You risk uh, him not being ready, and you're hurting his confidence. They don't like to do that, but but you you know, the way they're pitching now, maybe they're better bets than the Heston or Overton or DeYoung type guys. And this is the indictment on the farm system, kind of left by Jackson Renzik. Is that I mean, they don't have those guys. They don't have guys at AAA no. that are ready, like young talented pitchers at AAA, similar to the other positions we're going to talk about. They don't have those guys. They, they, you know, they've had to go out. I mean, really, 
Moore is a Jaxie guy, but Povsey was a guy that Jerry had to require. I mean, you look at the AAA guys, Overton, DeYoung, and and Heston were all acquisitions because they just didn't have, you know, they didn't have upper level talent in their organization. I talked to a couple scouts that have seen some of the teams, and you know, it, it isn't much better. I mean, you have some guys at the younger levels, but it takes so long, and and so many things can happen for a guy that's pitching well or playing well at high A. By the time he gets to the big leagues, that a lot can happen. So, I I just kind of yeah. think they're going to have to ride it out a little bit with these these starters for a while. Yeah, and you know Jerry did his best to to add to the inventory. You know, every trade he tried to get a couple of five arms. And, you know, the Atlanta trade uh, where he got Posey and um, who was the other pitcher he got in that? Oh, trade? Rob Whalen. Uh, Whalen, yeah, and guys like that. And uh, you know, he he. Picked, he picked up a lot of guys, Heston, guys like that. But you know, you're just you're just hoping that maybe out of every three arms that you get, or four arms, that maybe one will click because a lot of them are uh, are, are journeyman types or not ready yet, or you know, coming off injury or whatever. Then uh, you're right, and it's, it is an indictment of the Zorensic era and uh, a long stretch there where they just. They just fizzled with draft choices, particularly high draft choices. We've talked about that in the past, which continues to haunt them. You know, where where you had top five picks repeatedly, top ten picks that just have not made their mark yet. It's incredible when you go back and look over the last six or seven or eight years where, you know, at draft positions where you should have impact guys and you just don't, you know, you just did not hit on those. And that's, that has more than anything, I think, uh, crippled this organization and put them in a position, you know, that you, you overcome that with free agent signings and maybe some guys from lower down in the draft, like a Kyle Seeger that hit, uh, trades and all that. But, boy, if you could plug in the Dustin Ackley spot and the Holson spot and the Zanino spot and, uh, the D.J. Peterson spot and the Alex Jackson spot, all top ten, I believe, picks, or in many cases top five, that you really don't have much production from yet. Uh, it's it's really hurt them. Yeah, you just made every Mariners fan listening to this want to start drinking right now, Larry. Good job. <laughs> Sorry about that, but reality is reality. Uh, or else there's some people just like me, they don't need an excuse to drink, they just do it every day. I have the draft on my mind because I spent the last three days at the uh, at the Seahawks Seahawk headquarters, uh, hour after hour, just listening to uh, the picks drone on. So, you know, I uh, I'm I'm draft conscious right now, or draft unconscious, kind uh, of more accurately. All right, well, let's go. We'll switch topics. Who would you start at first base on Tuesday against the Angels? Hmm. Well, I know who I would not start at first base against the Angels, and that's Vogelbach, who just continues to unimpress me, uh, both defensively and offensively. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes back down. And, you know, looking at the numbers, you know, maybe it's time for D.J. Peterson to get his shot. I think he's hitting over 300. Uh, he's drawn some walks. You know, you've got to keep trying something. Uh, so to answer your question, I'd probably put Motter out there. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's, tail, he's tailing off a little bit. Yes. But, uh, uh, he's probably their best option at this point, unless you call up 
maybe they'll call up DJ Peterson and throw a new body out there and see what he could do. All right, uh, let me get to that. So, first of all, you didn't watch the game today, so you didn't see. I did not. You didn't see Vogelbach uh, miss the pop foul in foul territory, which was it was a pop foul. Went into the sun. Chuchu Ruiz kind of first put his glove up like he might have a play at it, and you could watch Vogelbach going, "Oh, I don't really want to catch this." He kept he'd look at Chuch and he'd run for it a little bit. He'd look at Chuch, and it was clear that it, you know it was his Vogelbach's ball. So he comes charging in. And then all of a sudden, you can see that he'd overrun the ball, and he falls backwards, yeah. and the ball bounces, and he's laying there. I'm like, oh. And then later, you know, there was a ground ball up the right side behind the bag. He doesn't field it cleanly, can't make a play. Almonte's safe. I mean, Chiste Young worked out of that inning. But uh, he, we saw the couple games in Oakland where he didn't make plays that seemed relatively routine. And now you understand that he's not going to be great first base-wise. I mean, they know that. But what they're still not getting the at-bats. I mean, it seems like yesterday when they put him in to pinch hit, he watched two fastballs go by on two. He watched. He gets the count at 2-0, and oh, watched a perfectly good fastball go by, watched another fastball go by, and then flail at a curveball. These were the at-bats that we saw in spring training, if I recall properly. Yeah, that, that at-bat there last night in a one-run game in the ninth inning was probably punched his ticket that probably punched his ticket back to Tacoma because you can't let that fastball, you know, a home run type pitch or, or a gapper type pitch when you need a run, you're desperate for a run. You can't let those two pitches go by and then flail away at a pitch in the dirt. That was that was just not a good major league at bat. And, you know, that that's what this guy, you know, that's all he's got to offer because he's not, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, he's not going to dazzle you with his glove. He's a, he, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a hitter, you know, he's a future DH, but, uh, you know, maybe yeah, he's probably starting to press a little bit, and uh, he just throws on those pitches, and, you know, it would, it would not surprise me if he headed back to Tacoma before the Mariners uh, return to action on Tuesday. What do you think about Peterson? Do you think they give him a shot? Have you heard anything from your scout friends? I've... I'd be stunned if they gave DJ Peterson a shot at this point. Um, in talking with some people within the Mariners, they were stunned that DJ got put on the 40-man roster, to be honest. Um, and he was awful during the spring. Uh, he had a home run in his first at-bat, and then just really never did anything else. I, You know, I've, you've heard, you, you hear things from scouts and from people. They weren't pleased with his attitude. We've heard that for years, you know, that he's not real coachable. Um you know, I thought maybe the new regime might help him kind of offset some stuff, but I, I don't know. I I guess you could use him. I mean, I, I even though Taylor Botter has been hit over the head with the un, unrelenting hammer of regression the last three or four games, I still think he probably gives you a better at-bat than anybody else that they're going to have right now. I mean, well, at least anybody that they have on the 40-man. You know, it's... it's um, you know, and it, it's not great. I mean, you've seen that the scouting report is out on him now. Curveballs away, fastballs away, um, and if you have pitchers that can actually execute it, you know, you can get him out. Uh, Valencia, you know, he had a couple of hits the other night. I, I mean, he plays better defense again than the other two. Um, they're kind you of know, he's got a pretty, he's got a track record too. Unlike Meyer, unlike yeah. uh, Vogelbach and the others. 
you know, he's he's been a solid major league hitter for a few years, so you've got to you got to respect that and believe that he's gonna he's gonna be back at some point. So you not you don't want to just bury him. No, uh, and and I think you know I don't know if they're starting a lefty, so maybe, but I like the the Angels don't know who they're starting because they have a bunch of guys hurt. Tyler Skaggs just went on the DL. Garrett Richards is on the deal. J.C. Ramirez started a game for them the other night. <laughs> Do you remember? Uh, he was a Mariner. Twice. Not once, yeah, twice. Was, nice he guy. Traded, he went to, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm not looking this up, but I think he went to Philadelphia in the Cliff Lee trade. I believe you're right. Trade. I believe you're right. Yeah. And then they then kind of lost track of him for a while, but he's still kicking around, so good for him. But uh, um, who was a big Canadian first round. Oh, Philippe Mont. Philippe Mont, yeah, yeah, he uh, he never really clicked. I don't know if he's still. I don't think he's in the majors anymore. Or who knows if he's even in the majors? I think he retired was, actually. But yeah, he was, he was retired. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a, that was an odd. That was another odd uh, draft pick. I can't remember if that was Jack or Bavese. No, that was Bavese. Bavese, yeah, that might be his last pick. Uh, yeah, boy. No, Bavese's Bavese's last pick was uh, Bavese's last pick was Josh Fields. So, yeah, you're right because yeah, the old the backdoor uh, Mike Trout. Uh, yeah. Horror story there when they when Jack on the last day or the last week finally signed Fields and didn't get the compensatory pick, which may have turned into Mike Trout. We'll never know, but <laughs> I think that would have been the pick ahead of Trout, right? And the Mayor supposedly had him on their radar. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know about Peterson. I'm going to go... It... And this is the masochist that I am. Uh, I got Monday off. The Mariners don't play. I don't have to cover anything, sort of. Uh, Depoto's actually going to speak at that APSE thing that I have to go to on Monday. But um, I may go to to Cheney Stadium over by my house and watch and see. I I have not, you know, in talking with scouts, uh, opposing scouts, nothing they've said about Peterson makes me believe these numbers are that real. But you know, maybe they try. He's is on the forty man, so it's not like it's a big deal to call him up. I guess you know some service time, some money. But I, it, the the Mariners' first baseman, first base situation is so kind of just bleh that I was on the internet checking to see what James Loney was hitting in AAA for the Twins. <laughs> because you know Loney well, can. What is, he, what is he hitting? One eighty eight. Because you know Loney can field. I mean, he can field the position. And, he, you know, yeah. in the past, he would put together a competent at bat. But I think he might be done. Similar to, I don't even know where Justin Marneau is, if he's healthy. I, you know, I just, it's not, I'm trying to think, too, and we've had this, and I know I posted it earlier this year when I was doing those, those, uh, those Tolstoy-length uh, spring training previews. But, like think back to when think back to the most productive first baseman that the Mariners have had. Richie Texas, when you go back and look at his numbers as maligned as he was, he had a couple of the best years the Mariners first baseman have had in the last fifteen years. Oh yeah. No, it years. is. Russell Russell Brannion was the other guy that had a, a good year. And after that it's just awful. Yeah. And then Yeah, Casey Kochman. Oh. Uh yeah, there's been some, you know, the, the smoke years. Um, I, look, they'd be, the Mariners would take Justin Smoke's production right now. 
right now they oh, will take that because yeah, they get defense. Good year on a bad team, but yeah. no, um, it, it was yeah. That was just oh, I forgot. Was, we, we were talking about the different first basemen, but yeah, there just hasn't been a oh. So I, I talked with a couple people that work for the A's and one on the baseball ops side and one on the other, but they were kind of saying they would. You know how Richie, the knock on Richie was always he'd hit the home run when they're up six or down six. That they said right. that, that was how Valencia stacked up a lot of his numbers too. That you know he was that guy that always hit with, you know, when they were out of it, one way or the other. That it was never the clutch stuff. And so then when, when the other night when the Mariners are getting drilled in that nineteen to nine game and Valencia has a couple hits when he came in for Hanager, my buddies were texting me and I'm like, "See, I told you, I told you." <laughs> it's funny how guys get that reputation. Yeah, I, I find it. Yeah, I, I see it with, with guys who who hit like forty home runs. Oh, they weren't clutch. I, I find it hard to believe that that you can have forty home runs and a hundred RBIs and a few who can't be aren't clutch. Yeah, uh, no. but, but you know, I guess there is some validity to that with with, with some guys. Um, and the other the the, uh, the other corollary to that is they get hot when the season is out of hand. You know, you know, August and September when they're out of contention. Um, I think, you know, that happened to Beltre a couple of years when he was with the Mariners. He would start off slow and then finish really strong yeah. when uh, when the Mariners were out of it. Um, you know, it's hard to not keep him Beltre because he's, he, he's, he's a great player and a Hall of Famer. And I think his Mariner numbers are better than people think they were. He was here for five years, which is hard to believe. It was a long time. But, uh, you know, he certainly was not the player that he has been in Texas or was the year before with the Dodgers, but he was solid while he was here. And uh, um, I don't know how I got off on this. Yeah, I don't know either. But, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. But. <laughs> Please, rescue me. Uh, all right, so you would start, who did you say you would start? Modder? Modder, yeah. Yeah, I, I maybe I'd start Modder, Valencia, I think. I don't know. I mean... The Vogelbach just can't seem to slow the game down. I wrote that today that he just cannot. He not, does not look comfortable. That everything looks like it's so difficult for him, and and that's yeah. you just can't play like that. You can't play when you're that tensed up. So when you're a young guy and you're trying yeah. to make your mark and you start and you start off a little slow, you know it's it's only human nature. Uh, you don't have you don't have your past production to fall back on. You're you, all you have is what you're doing now, and you feel like everyone's watching you and judging you. And I, you know, you some guys just don't handle that. They need a hot stretch to, to relax and finally be themselves. Yeah. And you know that that'll come for Vogelbach, but it hasn't come yet. And the longer that it goes, the the, the more you stress out. And I think that's where he is right now. Yeah. And uh, that's what the fast starts are so important for particularly young players. I think that's what you know, Hanager. Uh, you know, he actually wasn't he, he, his first two or three games he did hit, and then he just caught fire. And then, you know, you can uh, you don't have to worry about making your mark. You've made it. You can just play and be yourself. Yeah, I think Vogelbach also the failures of spring weigh on him a little bit. Added, you know, you're supposed to make the team. You play your way off the team in spring, and then you get to come back and you want to do something to prove that you've earned that spot. And you just you just don't. And I mean, I don't know. I've never seen him enough when he was on to know what type of hitter he is, 
But if this is the hitter he's been, I mean, letting good fastballs go by, that's just not going to work for them. I mean, I get the control of the zone thing, but Scott Service was not pleased about that at bat and the pinch hit at bat. I know that. No, that's why. That's why I'm really curious to see what they decide to what they decide to do with him. Uh, as my son is rattling pool pool ball pool, pool balls over there. Oh, um, uh, no, he just left. Um, so uh, what was I saying? Uh, yeah, I mean, anxious to see what. Uh, what they do with him, you know, he's there at a delicate spot in his production. He's already been up a couple of times and uh, back down, and uh, you know, at some point, you you, you got to give him a long run or just move on. And uh, it's too soon for that now, but uh, yeah, he's certainly not helping him right now. That's for sure. All right, let's get to catcher. When is the drop dead point where you have to send Mike Zanino back to AAA? Yeah, yeah, you know, I a month of the season is a pretty good uh, trial. I'd give him a couple more weeks. I think I think like halfway through May, uh, if he's not if he's still riding the 190 train, um, you know, there aren't great options. What do you, you got? Tuffy's ghost switch, right? You have no uh, options. Yeah, you've got Ghostwitch and Barron. I, you know, uh, Chooch is not an everyday player at this stage of his career, so I don't know what to do. I think you, you know, now that I talk through this, you know, I, I think I'd rather have Zunino even struggle and give him a chance than, than any of those other options. Uh, certainly not Steve Barron. Uh, Ghostwitch is, you know, he's in his 30s, right? And he's had a whole career of being a backup catcher. Yeah, this which is 126 games of big league experience. He's a 199 hitter with like a sub 500 OPS. As, as, yeah. one, as one opposing scout told me, he's the Caucasian version of Jesus Sucre. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, with that in mind, you probably just grit your teeth and stick with Zunino for a while, but it's very discouraging. Uh, you know, I love Mike Zunino. He's one of my favorite guys. Uh, you know, you can't help but pull for him, but it just just isn't happening. You know, for every time you think you've seen the light, and the next three at-bats will be just kind of, uh, oh, my God, that there he is again, waving at bad stuff, uh, you know. Defensively, he's, he's strong, so he's got that going for him. You know, he probably you're you're not going to get a defensive upgrade with any of those other guys, and you're probably not going to get much of an offensive upgrade. So uh, they probably have little choice but to stick with Zunino. Yeah. It really really gets ugly. I was looking just for fun. I think you did this too the other day. I was looking at. I went back for the last six years and looked at catcher production, which you could do on like ESPN splits. And they, I think they were, the Mariners are hitting like 160 as a catch from their entire catcher unit this year. And it's incredible how many times they've been at 200 or under 200 the last six years. Their, their production has just been horrible. Well, the best, the best catching season by war was Kenji Jojima, his second year in the big leagues. Yeah. It's just been a long stretch of, of poor numbers from from the catching, uh, and there's been some just DH for a long time was not very good, 
until they got uh, they straightened that out. And then certainly it's been great this year. But uh, first base has been a like we already discussed. Uh, it's funny how they just cannot solve those problems. Um, they finally found some some outfielders that can hit. Like um, that's one thing is they they the Hanager injury has shown that they have some pretty good outfield depth. When you could go down and get, you know, Heredia is doing well. Gamble, Luke Powell, they do have some better options there um, than they do at some of the other positions. Yeah, you're not playing Norioki in center field. I mean, that's that's better just in general. I, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, <laughs> what do you think about the you know, How do you think that they're going to pull the trigger uh, on one of those other guys? Or no, because they know they can't play Chooch. And maybe you play Chooch a couple days in a row or whatever. Like I, I wouldn't be. You know, Chooch hit the ball hard today four times, um, yeah. and get a bat. You have an off day tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised if Chooch started again on Tuesday, with the only exception being. Paxton is is pitching, and Chooch struggles to handle Paxton's stuff. He just he just wears him out, you know. And it's just at 38, it's not as simple. Like Enzanino has caught him forever, so I think that may be a reason why Enzanino would stay there and catch Tuesday. But I, I wrote about this today for the Sunday Notebook, and and I talked with Scott Service a little bit privately, and then I talked with Zanino, and and the last four or five days. Maybe three or four days. Zanino has been working with Edgar and and Scott Brocious pretty extensively um, early on, early BP, early cage work. He was there a lot today, trying to just shorten up some of his leg stuff. And they feel like if you know the load position with his you know his load is shorter and everything else, and the legs are a little cleaner, that it shortens the swing up. You know, and, and basically he he's he's just missing pitches like the. The approach with Mike is better, like in terms of not just waving at everything. He's just missing pitches in the strike zone that he should hit. He fouls them back or he fouls them off or he just swings and misses. Like they have all the swing percentages and stuff of, of pitches that he swings at that are in the strike zone. He's only making contact on like 67 or he's only, you know, decent contact rate of 67%. It's supposed to be 87% as an average in the strike zone. He's not doing that. His swing, when he swings and, you know, swings and misses, he's got like a 15% of the time when he swings, he swings and misses. That's just not, you know, ideal. So I, I don't know what's going on there, but they don't have any other options. They just can't, you can't play Chooch you know, four days a week. He's 38. I mean, like Service kind of talked about it. You know, when you're the backup catcher, and you're older, you know what days you're going to play. Like, it's mapped out. So you can kind of prepare yourself all week, your days off, to, to mentally be ready. But to sit there and go out there every day and do it, it's just not going to happen. And go switch isn't an answer. And Steve Barron is an answer. Nobody at AA is an answer. Um, I don't know what they do. I mean, you have to go out and look around. I mean, it was so hard to find catching. Like, it's so hard to find quality catching that I just don't know that they can do that. This is a similar to two years ago when Mike was in all that trouble. Jack made the one smart move of trading for Wellington Castillo and then traded him away like eight days later. I don't think that yeah. Tapoto would do that. But, I mean, they know that if this isn't working with Mike, if they have to send Mike down to Tacoma to clear his head or whatever, they cannot – I just can't see them using the duo of Ghost Switch and Chuch Ruiz uh, – Every you know some combination to fill that time. I'd, I'd be stunned. 
So I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's kind of like Mike is Mike is locked into a spot because nobody else can really handle what he does, you know, and he still does it well enough that, you know, there's value there. I, I liken it to me at the at the times. I'm pretty safe because none of you guys would ever be crazy enough to do this job the way the way that's constituted now. So I figure, like you know, I'm just dumb enough to do it. I seem to know what I'm doing. You know, they're gonna kind of keep me around. Well, I will say this: you're doing your job much better than Mike Zanisa. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Sorry, Mike, but uh, not, say that. not a know, huge bar to cl- not a huge bar to climb to hit over 200, Larry. <laughs> That's true. The discouraging thing is they they already went through this the the you know the the wasted year not wasted year but the find yourself year you know back to AAA to rediscover yourself and he worked with Brocious and had that you know great turnaround and came up and looked better and now Brocious is here on the staff as the assistant hitting coach or assistant coach uh, in charge of helping. Edgar with the hitting, and I think that Zunino was supposed to be kind of his pet project, and everyone thought that having brochures here in the major leagues was going to be a, a huge help for, for Zunino, and here he is still struggling. I do agree with you. For the most part, he does not look lost at the plate like he has in the past. Uh, you know, you nailed it on the head. He's just, yeah, as you watch, you see pitches that he's right on, and yet he's fouling it off, or he's through it, but you you know it looks like he's uh, you know he's got it measured and everything. It's just not hitting it, which is kind of inexplicable. Um, you know he's never going to be. Uh, I think we, it's clear by now that he's never going to be a Johnny Bench, but he, I still think he could be an uh, average major league hitter. Maybe that's just at this point. Maybe that's maybe I'm being overly uh, uh, Pollyannish on that because he's had a lot of time to show that he can. But uh, you see enough flashes of it to think that there's something there with a with the bat. Well, we got a Pollyanna reference. The Disney, 1950s, uh, 1960s. Nice job there. That's a good one. Way to ski yeah, ancient. Yeah, I have to have one of those uh, podcasts so that you can say I skew ancient. <laughs> yes. Well, I do. I do. I, at least I didn't give you my, uh, when, I, when we were talking about modder, I didn't. I didn't start singing. Hello, mother. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Speaking of the 1960s. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what it is with Zanino. Like, in talking with Mike, he says he's seeing it. He, like, he's recognizing what he wants to do. He just isn't able to do it. And I don't know if that's even scarier for them, is that he can't do it, Like that he's put himself in this position. He swears that he's in a better mental space than he was a few years ago, and I believe him. But I mean, you still gotta walk up there and see you're hitting 160 when you when you walk up there and they announce your name. I mean, and and they're right. They're not asking him to. We we said this before. They're not asking him to hit 270. They're asking him to hit 220, and take some walks. Cause like in service, I mentioned this and we've talked about it. Shorten up your swing a little bit. Just put more balls in play because he's so ridiculously freakishly strong that he'll he'll hit the ball hard if he can just put it on the barrel. Like the ball's gonna go somewhere because he's so strong. But that's been the issue. I, I don't know what gets, gets fixed first. I would say first base, maybe, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, when you get to six or seven, eight, nine in the lineup and you're looking at Valencia or Vogelbach hitting, you know, whatever, one whatever, and then Zunino, and then, you know, even Dyson is hovering around 230 with, with no power, it's, 
is no, you know, it's just, uh, it's it's troublesome. It, no, it's a it's, it's a, a, it's, a it's, it's a break for the pitcher. It's like it's like being in the National League in the eight nine spots in the National League, unless Madison Bumgarner's hitting or whatever. But no, eight nine spot in the National League. That's what they have. Pitchers can totally, and they can work. You know, I mean, like with Seager at five, and you have Valencia or Vogelbach hitting behind him. I mean, or you know, whoever you can you can maneuver yourself a little bit to not give him anything because you feel like you can get outs later in the order. Yeah, and that's what I think. Depoto thought he had lengthened the lineup this year, and it's just not working out yet. Uh, you know, D- Dyson is what Dyson is. He he uh, he. He, his on-base percentage is still over 300, but he's never going to be anything but a single hitter. So you knew that was going to be there, but you needed the guys uh, above him to, to to give you a little bit more protection in that lineup, and that just hasn't happened yet. And um, that's one one reason why they're struggling. They, 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 we've, we've sort of pinpointed the three or four problem areas that they're going to have to address for this thing to turn around. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's go into former Mariner land here, because everybody gets mad when I do the ex Mariner alerts. But I don't know if you saw it the other night, but there was a Fernando experience. The Fernando Rodney experience rolled again, <laughs> and uh, he uh, comes in, and gives up a few runs. You know, just and yet, and yet, as unpredictable as he is, this bullpen could use Fernando Rodney in some way. I'm not saying it's the closer. I'm not saying that, but he uh, they they could use him. So, any thoughts on the former Fernando Rodney experience? <laughs> well, I, my my thought, I guess, is that this is turning into a pretty good Arizona team, and I just wonder if he's going to like send everything crashing. <laughs> because, uh, you know, he's getting up there in years. What is he? Is he forty now? I think or, he's thirty nine. Uh, 39, yeah, and uh, he's still got some stuff left, but I I don't know. I wouldn't entrust my bullpen at this stage of his career to Fernando Rodney. I I would make him maybe a setup guy at best because uh, I think he's going to break your heart. Uh, he just perpetually allows runners to reach base. I, 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 I mean, Arizona didn't have a whole lot of other choices, but... I, it's it was my buddy Doug Pacey who works down there now, and he's he's a uh, works down there. He used to work at me at the TNT. He said the other day that he was listening to sports talk, and they were talking about Fernando Rodney, and the guy's like, "It's so bad that a Seattle sports writer coined the nickname the Fernando Rodney Experience." And I was like, <laughs> "Yes, yeah, you're getting some you get some good play on that one." Yeah, you know, you, you, just like. Uh, King Felix, yeah, that's his name. I think it was Dave Cameron who named is that. I yeah. think you're like a Fernando Rodney experience. I love Fernando How Rodney. He's so entertaining. He's great. But he's great when you're not covering him. When you're covering him and it's on deadline, he's the last guy you want to see coming into a game. <laughs> yeah. Well, how about Edwin Diaz? It's a, it's a closer who never gets to close. He had the, like, the back-to-back saves this week, but how many save opportunities has he had a month into the season? Not many, because uh, when the Mariners win, they, they either win big or they get their ass kicked. There's no happy medium, really. Right, so you haven't even had to experience 
the uh, the Edwin Diaz experience, good or bad, very much. Uh, which, as you, you know, I think that's a concern for the Mariners. You you, you want to keep your guy sharp, and you want to have some leads for him to protect. So it'll be interesting to see if he starts to use him a little bit more in uh, non-traditional save situations, just to keep him sharp. If if you keep yeah, there was a stretch there where he went like a week without having a save opportunity, and um, you know at some point you just got to throw him into a game. Yeah, they're going to do that on the road. Definitely, I think just if he hasn't, you know, they he had this the four out save the other day. They're just like, yeah, we got to throw him. So, and he's a young kid; he's not going to wear it down. Uh, no, no other, no other no. Fernando Rodney thoughts. Uh, not really. I still like the way he wears his hat, and he's a fun guy. Uh, but I think this Arizona team is a, is much better than anyone thought they were going to be. Uh, although they just lost Shelby Miller. For the season, but uh, I guess my thought is I wouldn't want him closing on my team at this point. Uh, not not just because uh, not out of respect for the beat writer who has to deal with his meltdowns, but <laughs> I just don't think uh, I just don't think he's a, a quality closer at this stage. All right, they got six games in the homestand, and we're going to do this math, very simple math here. Okay, we got six games in the homestand. What is their record going to be? Uh, they're going to be eight and two, and I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, who are they playing again? They play Anaheim for three, and then Texas for three, which is equals six. Uh, I think they'll go four and two. Four and two. Are they going to win both of them, or are they going to sweep one? And I think they'll. Uh, yeah, they'll sweep the uh, the Angels and uh, the Angels first. Two out of three to Texas. Yeah, sweep the Angels and lose two out of three to Texas. All right, that's good. Uh, we got a good prediction. I didn't have to mock you or anything like that. So, <laughs> all right, you en- you enjoy Boston and you know enjoy your time watching. Are you going to cry? Uh, but uh, we'll see. I think I did my I, I did when my oldest daughter graduated. So this is number two graduating so yeah i'm sure i will I, I, you know, it's, a, it's a big moment it's a big moment in uh, your she, parenting life when your kid graduates college she's going to more college larry it's not like she's I, <laughs> she's going to law school yeah she is going to law school I, so yeah there'll be more graduations ahead i can't wait till when your son graduates here in may then or in june then there's going to be some real waterworks because you're going to be an empty yeah. nester yeah, that's that's going to be a poignant one because that means that's the empty nest because that's our last child at home and he's going to go off to college and then then I you know got to figure out what to do with the rest of my life without the kids to to uh, shepherd around and go to their sporting events and their dances and all that stuff. So uh, that's going to be major. Hey, you can come hang out in the bars with me. You know that'll always be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might, might start doing that a little bit more. Uh, I am going to go see the. Uh, I'm going to go to a Red Sox game on Thursday. Red Sox uh, Orioles. I'm taking my daughter and my other daughter and her family. Uh, my my in laws live in Boston. I'm going to take them all to a Red Sox game uh, at Fenway. So that'll be fun. Yeah, you've done. We've both done Fenway a lot. Do you have any recommendations for people going there and never been? Well, this is also my this is my first time sitting in the stands. Um, 
I guess my only recommendation would be just to go early and hang around the the area there around Fenway with the, the bars and the restaurants and the, and the activity. It's just a, it's just a blast. Yeah, Yaki Way there where they have all their, you got to get an Italian sausage while you're there, you know, or a brat, you know, they have the street vendors, you got to get one of those, go to the Caskin Flag in the Lansdowner, it's like right out of an yeah. SNL skit, you know, everybody's talking with the heavy Boston accents, it's, it's good. <laughs> no, ma. no, ma. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, and there's lots of sports shops, you can get memorabilia and that, and that sort of thing, so, um, but maybe I'll have some tips about what it's like to cover to, to, to see a game from the stands. I've only done it from the press box, so that'll, this will be a new experience for me. All right. I will let you go. Thanks for being this. Okay. All right. that's it for this week's show uh next week i'm gonna try to get mike curto of the tacoma rangers to come on with me i might even do it a little bit earlier and we also do a mailbag uh podcast as well at some point uh big thanks to larry stone for coming on spending a sunday night talking with me and also thanks to midnight salvage company the official house band of the extra innings podcast for the bumper music and lead-in music if you want to submit your music let me know uh you can reach me by email at rdivish at seattletimes.com or hit me up on Twitter at Ryan Divish. And thanks again. Talk to you later.